Yeah, what's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to episode 89. It is Monday, the 13th of February. Why, why, are, uh, why are Monday the 13th not unlucky? I guess because we have a lot of those. I don't, I don't know how all this stuff works. I don't really believe in uh, good or bad luck, uh, but that's just me. <laughs> I definitely had one of those mornings this morning, though, when I, uh, I felt like uh, I could just stay in bed forever. You ever feel like that? <laughs> I think I feel like that a lot. <laughs> or uh, it'd be nice just to, uh, it's fine, just stay here in bed. They don't need me at work, do they? Anyway, over the uh, last uh, week or so, I've been slowly dipping my toes into the fragile, frigid waters of social media and uh, trying to hide my eyes from anything political. Yeah, it just leaks in there, you know. And uh, if I'm being honest, it's definitely against my nature to bury my head in the sand. So I'm staying semi-connected while continuing on my quest for simplicity. And uh, while scanning my Facebook feed, I ran across a video about a gym teacher in Texas that helps disabled veterans run by a former NFL player named David Vibora. And uh, he runs a foundation uh, called Adaptive Training, uh, whose mission is to empower the human athlete, restore hope through movement, and redefine the limits of individuals with disabilities. Uh, This was a guy that was in the NFL and sustained an injury and could no longer play. And uh, he helps veterans with injuries that help them gain strength and dignity back. And uh, I'm going to put a link to the Adaptive Training Foundation uh, in the show notes today. And uh, I posted a video on my personal Facebook uh, about what he's doing there. And I think that is so cool. I I really think it's... uh, you know, I've, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that I'm really big on empathy. And uh, there is perhaps no greater example of this than someone, uh, because of their own injuries or uh, things that have happened to them, are able to empathize with others. Um, maybe not from the same thing. He deals with veterans and uh, he was in football in the NFL. Um, but he was kind of surprised by uh, he just met this guy that was a veteran, decided to help him. And, uh, you know, and then all this cool stuff came out of that in this gym where he's helping uh, paraplegics and guys that have lost their arms and their legs and all that kind of stuff work out. And I think that is super cool. And uh, we need more of that. And I also think it's uh, important to note that, uh, you know, sometimes it just starts with helping one person. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. There's so much poverty and and uh, and so much stuff in the world that we can't maybe make a difference in. But you can make a difference in one person's life and you never know where that's going to lead. I think that's really cool. I thankfully was able to uh, spend some time watching some documentaries and films uh, over the past few days. Uh, One of the first ones that I saw was uh, an amazing documentary called The Brain That Changes Itself. And uh, it is based on a book by uh, Norman Doidge, MD, uh, The Brain That Changes Itself, Stories of Personal Triumph from the Frontiers of Brain Science. And uh, the the film is all about the uh, concept of neural plasticity, which is the idea that your brain is plastic and malleable and changeable. Uh, for the last uh, four decades, uh, the consensus of science has been that uh, the brain was not able to be changed and that we, you were basically stuck with whatever God gave you. And that uh, 
this uh, new idea of neuroplasticity, which has come about through uh, brain imaging. They've discovered that one part does not function when one part of the brain does not function as intended uh, through training. You can develop new neural pathways uh, that can be formed. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, in this film, they have people that uh, there was one lady that had uh, had taken this medication. And one of the side effects was that she had a permanent uh, disabling, um, not vertigo, but sort of a lack of balance. Like when she would try to stand up, she would shake all over the place. And uh, through using this device that retrained her brain uh, uh, through this thing that she held on her tongue, uh, she was able to retrain herself. And, and they show her riding a bicycle uh, in the film. Um, so, I mean, the implications are not only for people that they had people that were blind that could walk around things. They showed a guy that was blind using the same similar type of device, making a basket with a basketball is crazy. Um, but there are some other, uh, things, you know, you often hear it say that you're sort of like a victim of your heredity. Um, I've also been reading a book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf called switch on your brain, the key to peak happiness, thinking and health. Uh, which expand on these ideas uh, from science and a faith perspective and the idea that you're not a slave to your own genes or your own limitations, the idea that you can change the way that you think or act. Uh, and, and I think sometimes uh, we feel like victims or helpless as we fall into similar patterns. I know that I have, um, you know, uh, my dad was that way and I'm just going to be that way. Um, and I think where the science on this is headed is incredible. Um, and it's just uh, cool to think that that your brain, uh, no matter what your age or anything like that, uh, that you're able to learn to new new things. There was another guy in the film that had had a stroke, and uh, prior to the stroke, he was a uh, like a concert. He could do uh, classical music on the piano, and uh, one side of his body was basically immobile, um, and his left hand couldn't work and anything. And then as they trained him through this training, uh, he did a recital where he's able to play music again. Um, really, really incredible stuff. I have. Highly recommend. I've not read the book, but I highly recommend this film. It's only, like I said, about an hour. Um, I saw it on Amazon Prime Video, and it was really, really uh, super cool. People hate Michael Moore. <laughs> they even made a film, Michael Moore Hates America. Uh, but I've always enjoyed Michael Moore's guerrilla filmmaking going back to Roger and me. Uh, I like the way he challenges the status quo and gets us to rethink ideas that we have about ourselves and our country uh, that are centered around conventional so-called wisdom. And, uh, you know, of course, he uh, does his films in a biased way. Of course, he only presents one side of certain things. And and uh, one uh, I know that he's a polarizing figure for a lot of people. But something I really like about his films and a feature that is unique, especially in the American media landscape, uh, is that he interviews people in other countries. And you get to see a lot of uh, the world and hear from other people uh, that you normally don't hear from. In this latest film uh, called Where to Invade Next... It was uh, evident more than ever uh, that you heard from these other people from other countries. I was especially struck by a woman journalist from Tunisia who spoke about the American lack of curiosity about other people in other countries. 
she was saying specifically that, uh, you know, she speaks English. She knows about American films and American music. And, uh, you know, what Americans know about Tunisia? Nothing. I mean, I certainly know nothing. Uh, about Tunisia. Uh, there was also a woman CEO from Iceland who said you could not pay her to live in America because of our lack of empathy for our neighbors and other citizens. Uh, we rarely get this kind of feedback. <laughs> Heck, we never uh, hear this kind of information on the news uh, or in the typical, uh, you know, information that's out there. Uh, through American media. Uh, I love to travel. I lived in Germany for two years when I was in the army. I've been to France and Israel and Africa and Mexico and Canada. I want to see the rest of the world. I'm always amazed by other cultures and other people. I think uh, we can all benefit from meeting people that aren't like us who live other places. Anyway, the basic premise of the film is that Moore travels to these other countries to find their great ideas uh, that he can bring back to America, uh, only to discover that many of these principles or ideas themselves originated here with Americans. Um, I love the film. I found it to be surprisingly emotional. And if you can watch it with an open mind, I think you'll find it very enlightening. Uh, it's worth watching alone for the segment on French school lunches. Uh, my wife and I have been talking about this uh, <laughs> yesterday all day. Uh, it was crazy. They bring these uh, French school students. They take like an hour for lunch. Uh, they have, uh, you know, uh, people that bring the food to them. That They give it on uh, nice plates and dishes. And uh, the food they were eating was just unbelievable. And uh it was pretty cool. Uh, anyway, Where to Invade Next, next by uh, Michael Moore. Definitely uh, check that out. Another week in school and another anecdote about me being old. I'm trying to convince my classmates. We're trying to pick a song to record in my recording class. And uh, I suggested that we record uh, the final countdown by Europe. And, uh, of course, none of them know what that is. <laughs> they don't know. They have no idea. Um we were uh, this week in class. We mic'd up drums. Uh, we the chapter in the uh, book was about studio design and acoustical design uh, in studio recording studios like floating floors and uh, why you use bass traps and corners because the bass collects in the corners and all this different stuff. And part of the uh, lecture was on grounding and the importance of grounding, which I'm uh, very familiar with as I've been shocked before uh, by microphones and amps and different things that were not grounded properly uh, <laughs> and. And uh, he uh, told the story about uh, our professor told a story about uh, when he was a kid, um, when they would run the vacuum that the televisions at the times is before they were uh, digital, um, that, that they would get all staticky and that the signal would get goofed up. And uh, of course, he said, Billy and I remember when we were kids. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, this is going to be a fun semester. Every anecdote about being old is going to be about me. And how I'm old. Anyway, I also learned in the class that uh, I've only done really one recording session ever where I recorded drums uh, for somebody, for some kids in my band. I recorded their band. I discovered that I did not do the overhead microphones correctly and I did not do the hi-hat hi microphone correctly. So, see? Already paying for itself. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, another film that I saw uh, this week was, uh, well, actually, it's a four part series based uh, again on a book uh, called Cooked by Michael Pollan. Uh, if you're not uh, familiar with him, you're at the Omnivore's Dilemma and sort of the the theme, I guess, if you could say there's a theme that kind of runs through uh, Michael's work. Uh, it's that uh, we need to be more in touch with our food, uh, get away from processed foods and, and just uh, you know, more in tune with uh, if we eat meat, just where that meat comes from and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I watched the first two episodes, the the four episodes, this is on Netflix, um, cooked by Michael Pollan. And um, each of the four episodes is based on an element. Uh, the first two is uh, fire and water. Those are the only two that I watched. Uh, in the first one, fire, um, they were with these Aboriginal uh, people out in Australia and they were uh, eating iguanas. And I would like to say for the record that I would rather die of starvation than eat an iguana. <laughs> Maybe not, but man, uh, they pulled that thing by its tail out of the ground and cooked it over the fire, not even cleaned it, nothing. Uh, I don't think I could do that. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it was, uh, pretty good. I, I mean, I love the first two episodes. I saw the second one was on water, uh, where they were cooking some, uh, like stew and some different things. Kind of interesting, the different cooking techniques and that kind of thing. And I, and I do uh, appreciate the general messaging of, uh, uh, what Michael's talking about. They had some quote unquote, sustainably raised pigs, um, and then he kind of tried to be balanced in showing, you know, the, you know, commercial agriculture when it comes to animals and that kind of thing. I'll probably finish the series. Um, and the I will say about this series, though, that the cinematography is absolutely incredible. Um, and they did get into some of the history of uh, uh, pit barbecue and that kind of thing. And, and uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, I think you'll find it interesting. But it is beautiful uh, to watch for sure. So if you're like me, that sound is pretty familiar. That's the sound of an organ in a church. <laughs> I grew up listening to organs and choirs uh, pretty much my entire childhood. And uh, as I've uh, been an adult, I've mostly been part of churches that are sort of in the uh, modern vein, uh, you know, with the bands and all that shenanigans. And uh, I, in the same way in politics where, uh, you know, I tend to be more libertarian and isolationist and uh, and that kind of thing, uh, but more uh, liberal when it comes to social issues. Uh, so I'm, I'm never happy in the same way in the church. Uh, there's nothing I like more than a traditional stained glass, uh, cathedral style, old world uh, Catholic or other style church. Uh, I just love them. I just I've been in them all over the world. Uh, Notre Dame Cathedral uh, in Paris and uh, different cathedrals in uh, Canterbury Cathedral in England. Um, St. Patrick's I go to every year in New York City. I just love being in those churches. And uh, I just, uh, you know, say what you will about uh, 
<laughs> the historical record and the uh, the spending of the money on that uh, when there's better things to do. I just I feel when I'm in those buildings, I just feel uh, not more spiritual. I don't know. I just feel more connected to God when I'm in those buildings. However, uh, I do not enjoy uh, all the ritualistic, uh, you know, unison readings, the responsive readings and the the creeds and the. Uh, burning of the stuff and the pomp and circumstance and all that stuff. I'm just not into it. So anyway, I tried a new church this week. <laughs> and uh, the reason I've been wanting to try this church for a while, I go by their uh, church uh, a lot of the time. And uh, they uh, they usually have these cool signs out front. And uh, the one they've had recently said, love thy neighbor in giant letters. And then inserted uh, between uh, below, it said Muslim. I actually posted this on uh, Instagram. It is a uh, open and affirming congregation, and they have a, a female pastor, so you know it's crazy liberal. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I've wanted to check it out, and uh, you know it was a really there was like kind of like um, it was sleeting all morning, and uh, so I don't know the the pastor made a comment that it's not you know there's a lot less people, and that the people that were there uh, you know. Uh, thank you for coming out in the bad weather. I, I counted about, I think there was about 30 people maybe. And then also a, uh, choir with maybe 20 people. So maybe 50 people total. Uh, one thing that was funny during the, uh, announcements, uh, the reverend, uh, pastor lady, uh, said, uh, I'd like to welcome any first time guests or visitors today. Uh, I only see one face I don't recognize. And then she just looked right at me. Uh, thankfully, nobody else looked at me, uh, but it was kind of a funny moment. I only see one face I don't recognize. Wow. No blending in in this place. <laughs> uh, not that I blend in anyway, as is previously discussed. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, the usual stuff, some hymns and some uh, discussions. They did do a few things that were a little weird, uh, just weird and that I'm not used to them. I, I, you know, no judgment on my part or anything like that. But I did notice that uh, in like the Lord's Prayer and, and mentioned in the sermon and other places, instead of kingdom, uh, the pastor said kingdom. Uh, and I think that's uh, based on some of the stuff she said, kind of they're rooted in some Quaker tradition stuff. So that was interesting. Uh, she did say something God, about God being the mother of us all, but then followed that up with the Lord's Prayer beginning with our Father. It's a little weird. Um, but uh, all in all, the sermon I actually really enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, it was about staying responsibly engaged uh, in the times of political turmoil. The uh, scripture reading was from the uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, where they talk about blessed are the poor, uh, et cetera, and, uh, you know, loving like Jesus uh, taught. And uh, the uh, idea of it was starting small and just talking about going out with her uh, right-wing brother-in-law and, and uh, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, not be too entrenched from either side in our own views and, and understanding uh, how our experiences uh, good or bad, all sort of shape our viewpoint. Anyway, I thought it was cool. Um, there was some hokey stuff for sure. Um, I, I think I might go back though. I, I liked the uh, preaching, you know, everything else is always a mixed bag for me. It's either the uh, rock show, light show and uh, all that shenanigans, 
uh, or you have to deal with the uh, traditional music and all the uh, responsive readings and the unison things and the passing of the piece and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, like one of the biggest things I'm looking for from church these days um, is just quiet and respite from the noise of the world. You know, it's like, I feel like uh, almost like I would like to just go and sit in a church like that in silence and pray and just uh, be alone uh, with God and my thoughts and uh, I think that's the problem, you know, it's just too much noise. And, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I tried a new church. I might try it again. We'll see. Ah, yes, the Grammys. The only place maybe you can get uh, cheered for screwing up and starting over. <laughs> Listen, I love Adele. I feel bad for her. She was doing a tribute to uh, George Michael, and uh, she started in the wrong key. Oof, boy, that's rough. Anyway, uh, the Grammys. I normally don't watch the Grammys. I would not blame you if you didn't watch the Grammys. I'm sorry I'm even talking about it. But there was one thing that I wanted to make an observation about. A couple things. First thing is that uh, Metallica was on there uh, playing with Lady Gaga. <laughs> and uh, James Hetfield, when he started to sing, his microphone was not on. And uh, some people are starting to say there's some kind of conspiracy because anytime they have actual bands or heavy bands or any people on there, it always seems to be some sort of uh, snafu. And uh, a Tribe Called Quest, they did a really cool uh, performance uh, of a song that I really love from their new record um, and uh, ended with uh, chanting resist and a very political performance that I thought was fantastic. And uh, Beyonce, who I've been saying forever, uh, is super overrated. Uh, sorry, Carrie. <laughs> my friend Carrie loves uh, Beyonce. Uh, here's my problem. And, and this extends to all, all of these things. Uh, not so much for Adele. Adele is actually a good example of what uh, what to do. Um, Metallica is now giving into the thing that Beyonce has done. Listen, I think Beyonce is actually a talented singer. She's a good singer. And, uh, you know, I think Lady Gaga, I don't listen to her music, uh, but I also think that she's also a great singer. And in fact, she her voice sounded really good with Metallica. Um, but it's all this bullshit stuff with the dancing and the choreography and the outfits and the, and all this stuff, uh, you know, and Beyonce and she's trying to look like the second coming of Mary Magdalene or something with this all hokey outfit and all this hokey performing. And she's pregnant and tilting back in this chair and, and, and all this stuff. It's like, just sing dude, no matter what you're doing, uh, if you're talented, you know, there's people like, um, this happened a long time ago with Christina Aguilera. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not a pop music person, but this is another great example. She went through that weird ex Tina phase where she's like dressing like a hooker or something. Um, you know, there's a, a performance, uh, of her on SNL where she's just sitting on a stool singing and she has an incredible voice. She has an amazing voice. And, and of course we could get into the deeper issues of, uh, you know, the patriarchy and men running the world and and this pressure to do things and like whatever. But Beyonce is not under any pressure to do anything. She can do anything that she wants. And uh, I know a lot of people like the choreography and the dancing and all that stuff. Um, but man, I mean, when it's crossing over to Metallica, who had weird dancers on stage, come on, guys. I mean, seriously, just play, 
Just sing. That's it. You don't have to pretend to be somebody or not. You don't have to dress to impress somebody you don't care about. Just sing. Just be yourself. This goes for everybody, not just for musicians, not just for the Grammys. Just be yourself. Just do whatever you do to the best of your ability. And that's enough. You don't need all this extra crap. You don't need it. Just sing. That's it. Some of the best performances on this whole show. I mean, A Tribe Called Quest, I actually love their performance. And they did have a little bit of prop thing going on. Um, I, for, I I apologize. I forget the name of the artist, but there were some Stax Records people. It was just a guy singing with a guy playing guitar. Also one of the best performances on there. I believe that, you know, uh, if you have talent and you have something to say and you're singing about something and, uh, you know, whatever, it's enough to just get up there, do your song. Uh, if the song's good, it speaks for itself. You don't need to do all this stuff. And, and I feel like this is an indictment, not just of the Grammys, but our culture in general. Uh, we feel like we have to dress everything up and all this superficial bullshit. And uh, it's enough just to sing. Just sing. That's it. Just sing. All right, that's the show for this week. I thank you for tuning in and listening. If you'd like to contact me, you can email Billy at UrbanAchieverShow.com. Uh, you can uh, get a link to that at UrbanAchieverShow.com. There's uh, also links uh, to support the show at Patreon.com slash UrbanAchiever. Please join the email list. There's a link there to do that as well on every episode. Uh, if you want to connect with me on social media, please do that at UrbanAchieverPC on Instagram or send me an email. Please don't send me messages on Facebook. I'm really bad uh, with that. And uh, yeah. The uh, opening and closing theme show music for the show, as always, is by my buddy Ethan Luck. You can check out Ethan Luck at ethanluck.bandcamp.com. And listen, I, I feel like I might be turning a corner, man. I'm done burying my head in the sand. You know, I want to try to stay uh, as much as I can responsibly engaged uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, don't let this uh, endless cycle of negativity and uh, stuff that's out there get you down. You know, keep your head up. And uh, we'll just do the best that we can and love each other and try to move forward. Um, anyway, I hope you have a great week. Thanks again for tuning in. As always, I remain your host and friend. And until next time, please keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. <laughs>